podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Andy Campbell! It's in! Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero! A superhero! Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode number 52. show is available live on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. And of course, the channel full of all lots of great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. You can uh, find the links to all our social media pages, both for the show and the channel, in the description below and uh, in the closing credits. And of course... Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, best way to support us. And you can get the audio versions the following day on all your favourite uh, podcast radio apps and alike. And uh, just to also thank Black Diamond Sports for, sponsor, uh, for sponsoring and helping the show. They, of course, have a global sports agency featuring top stars in um, various sports from around the world. And um, and also a big thank you to uh, Darren Ralston and Bespoke Financial for sponsoring today's show, which is, of course, the Andy Campbell uh, football show. And here's a, a little word from them. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Yeah, big thank you to uh, Darren and Bespoke. They uh, specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, mortgages and of course sports cover. So with no further ado, let's introduce my co-host as usual, the goal collector, the fox in the box, still the king of the Millennium Stadium. It is ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker, Mr Andy Campbell. How are you, mate? Good evening, mate. Yeah, I'm uh, very well. Really looking forward to this one. This has been a uh, long time coming. Really pleased to have uh, have the person next to me on the, on the show. Give me one of the, well, probably, if not the uh, best moments in my career. Um, Help me along the way. Um, but before I start, can I just give a shout out to uh, Brad Hicks? We just had a message that he's uh, been rushed to the hospital, so uh, I know he's been watching the show. So uh, hope everything works out for you, Brad, and uh, get well soon. Indeed, second that. And of course, our guest tonight has made over 630 appearances at the very top of the football world. A former England international, played for clubs such as Liverpool, Leicester, Aston Villa, Wigan, Bolton, Birmingham City, and Newcastle Jets. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Mr. Emil Heskey to the show. How are you, mate? I'm very good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, mate. It's uh, as I said, it's been a long time coming. We've been wanting you to come on for quite a long time, mate. So this is the 
an absolute privilege and can't wait to uh, can't wait to talk about your career, mate, because it was been uh, uh, from obviously someone who um, got lucky enough to play with you. I, I, I've seen firsthand how good you were, but um, you know what I mean to play against you, like I did as well. It was uh, yeah, it was uh, probably the good and the bad because you were a, a proper handful for every defender. I think uh, whoever came across you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, um, Emil, what we like to do just before we get into the the stories of the week and talk about your career is we do something called the Magnificent Seven, which is basically uh, a way for our viewers to get to know you and your tastes and uh, just basically say the first thing which comes to mind. So, uh, okay. Emil Heskey, the Magnificent Seven. Uh, Messi mm -hmm. or Ronaldo? Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Ronaldo. <laughs> Doesn't get any easier, Em. Doesn't get any easier than this, by the way. This is this is difficult. It's about mind blowing. Mind blowing. Okay, go on then. Uh, Robbie Ronaldo. Fowler or Michael Owen? Michael Owen. Uh, Favorite TV show? Uh, wow. Um, mm. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, would have to say Enders. Oof. That's a good one. I, that's an interesting one. I used to watch that in the pub, I did. Um, yeah, exactly. And, but, uh, I'm, but trying, I'm thinking now, we don't watch really much, much apart from um, Sky Sports News. No. no, <laughs> no. You must uh, have the best pub in the world, by the way, to watch that in your, in your pub. That's, that's an yeah, amazing I, pub. I used to work there. It's a proper so old-school pub, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was I can't start talking about the rider arms. I'll be here all night. Um, uh, angriest teammate? Neil Lennon. Uh, best roommate? Peggy Offixed. <laughs> uh, worst trainer? Um, probably Steve Guppy. He got yellow jersey most most weeks. So. Good player uh, as well, though. Good, good player on his day, yeah, by the way. Turned on, in, turned on yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, the best manager you've played under? Can I say two? Or just have Yeah, yeah, you could say two. Uh, I, I liked, uh, obviously, Martin O'Neill and Joe Boulier got the best out of me, so I'll say them two. How good was Martin O'Neill? Um, you know, me obviously give you your yeah. debut at Leicester, so how good was he? Yeah, he was phenomenal. He's, the thing with Martin, he, um, he, he, he didn't do too much of the coaching, but he did obviously the management side of things and getting the players ready and getting the players motivated and uh, getting them in the right frame of mind. and. He was he was wonderful that sort of stuff um, and got the best out of us because you got to remember we went to cup finals in four years. So, oh, well, that, 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 listen, we're going to talk about that later on because obviously you brought my heart, <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. On. <laughs> um, but as you as you said, that point though, you know that, that that you weren't a fashionable side, you weren't fashionable players. No. You know, I'm not not on about you, but I'm probably on about some of the other players: the Neil Lennon's, the Muzzy, is it Steve Guppies, Steve Cabbage. Um, Tony Cotty, etc. You know, but, but I agree. He got the he got the best out of those type of players, and you know, what I mean, it was never an easy game going to Fielder Street. It was never an easy mm -hmm. game when you when you came away from home. But he just seemed to get the the right tactics at the right time. He played to your strengths. Um, set pieces were a huge thing with Elliot. Um, yeah, I, I remember, yeah, yeah. you know, that he, he was yeah. a massive player in that uh, in that team. But you know, what I mean, there was players with full of energy, full of quality. That don't forget mm -hmm. that because um, you know, what I mean, and then they had a, a European adventure, which you know, what I mean, I know Leicester had a a little bit of success since since you left by winning the Premier League, but I think that sometimes that, that success what you guys had gets forgotten about a little bit, you know, with the success that the, 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 the recent team had. Yeah, I think sometimes it does in it but but from the from the fans that um are of that generation, no it doesn't. Yeah, because yeah, again that generation was uh was 
was something that was amazing because again we didn't have the stadium we didn't have all that but we made it all our own yeah. and um we give we excited teams and um going to cup finals you got to remember coming up from the what is what is the championship now which would have been division 1 yeah. and then coming into the premier league you're generally classed as the one who's going to go straight back down we went we went on to uh, to win a cup and and stay and stay top off the table in a team that like you're saying wasn't really fashionable no no you know, you know it wasn't favored at all you know and no. we we would take we would take the likes of Tony Cotty at 35 and give us two years of of of, of real good playing and yeah. win trophies mm. uh Steve, Steve Claridge as well yeah tell people what uh, what it was like to play at Filbert Street because I remember um, I played one of my first ever reserve games at Filbert Street and it was um it was it was a, an experience in itself because obviously it's a, it's a it's a it's a big stadium, um, but it had um, cheerleaders down the sides so every time the ball went yeah. out for a throw-in or a corner. The cheerleaders would start dancing, music would come on, and I I always thought that that was how football was played. So every time a corner went, <laughs> when, I, when I made my first team debut and it went out for a corner, there was no cheerleaders, there was no music, and I was a little bit like, what? Well, I want to go back to Filbert Street because I enjoyed that. It got me going a little bit. There was something always going on, and it just yeah, yeah it was a big letdown. We had had a lot of fun, um, especially when it came to reserve team games. And I, I don't obviously, I don't think anyone else did that. No, I didn't. So well, we, not what I saw. No, but it was amazing. yeah. So we we had yeah we had you're saying cheerleaders. We, do you know we had um, a full stadium, Man U versus Leicester reserves. Did you a full stadium? Full stadium. Usually, usually we 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 open up like one side, the main stand or something like that. We had to open up the whole stadium. We had a full stadium uh, uh, for, for a reserve team game. And it was just good. It was just a great atmosphere, and it was. Good. You know what it did as well. It 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 put you in the right frame and understood what it meant to go into first team football as well. Yeah, well, I, a lot I, of when, when you say that now, though, I think I think a lot of players though they don't get that link. Um, and yeah. you know what I mean. They, they go for under twenty three football in a in a safe environment with no um, no stadium, basically. You know what I mean. They're, they're just playing behind closed doors with a fence around them, and it doesn't really get you yeah. ready for um, for that first team debut. Yes, it's it, it might be empty, but. It still need. It's still you still treat as a proper player. You you warm up on the pitch. You and you. It's just done the right way. And I think a lot of teams probably relied years ago on the Pontins League to get players ready for first team football. And you know, what I mean, now we don't get that opportunity, unfortunately. But yeah, it's 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 a difficult one. Is because again, I think the under twenty threes was brought in because again we were losing a lot of players from that little that little age that little age gap from eighteens to say twenty threes or yeah. twenty one. And they obviously extended the actual age group because they thought that that would make it easier for people to get to to to, to make that transition. But in essence, it's just it's it's not. It's just made it worse, to be honest with you, because you've gone from 18, and if you're not ready at 18, you might be able to go into say on uh, a League One or a League Two team. But now you've come in 23, and you're still still not quite ready, and you've got to go into 20, uh, into a League One, League, and sometimes fall out system. I think a so, lot of these lads need first team football early on. So if you were advising a young Emil Heskey again though, you know what I mean, and you weren't playing, you hadn't made your debut, um, 17, 18, 19, 20, what would you advise somebody that age then? Because I, I'm, at a, I'm, a, I'm at a similar mindset than you, that um, that you might as well go and drop down a level or two and go and play men's football, go and play competitive mm -hmm. football. So what would you advise a young Emil Heskey to well, do then? Well, the, the thing is, if, you, if, you, if you're seeing your pathway not there or blocked, at some stage, you've got to open that pathway up, and 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 you can't leave it till twenty because you've lost two years already. In my eyes, totally. Um, you've got. Uh, I might play for England, and be 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 at 
at a Premier League club, you might be playing not for England, but being at a League Two club or a League One club, where you're playing first team football at 17, 18, 19, 20. I'm playing for England at 17, 18, 19, 20, but no first team experience. When it comes to a first team manager, who are they going to look at? They're not going to look totally at good. me. They're going to look at you because you've already been in that environment. They yeah. know that you can cope with that environment of playing first team football, being being up against it. the pressures that come with the first team football. I haven't had that. Yeah, we had so the same I've... conversation with uh, Jonathan Greenan, um, obviously Man United, yeah. um, that he started at York City. Um, he, he was so happy with his progression, as in started at a a lesser league, so to speak, but then got his opportunity because he played in the first team, whereas yeah. and you'd probably prefer that than start at a Leicester City, Man City, even Middlesbrough and drop down because the, the, the drop at the minute is drastic and, and a, a big, big a big big drop for a lot of players and some don't recover, unfortunately, and just someone else but takes then, the place. But then is there, a, is there a case for the mental side of that where you, you're mentally getting them prepared for, a, uh, it's going to be a big drop, but if you, if you put the physical work in you will get back up because again you're you're technical technically you should probably stand a little bit ahead of others yeah i totally agree i totally agree we've had, we've had this debate on here about um should there be more put in place then for players who do drop out of the game um to give them an opportunity to step back up and, and a platform more, a platform more than anything you know that that nobody you know yourself and i know myself that there's nothing will get you ready for packing and playing football one minute you're in a changing room and you're professional football and the next minute you're not and how you get yourself around that um, fact is just, it's mind-blowing really, you know what I mean? That's the biggest mm -hmm. question that probably people throw at me, that how did you how did you adapt? And I probably don't think I did, or have, or mm -hmm. I think, you know what I mean, that you just get in a little bubble and you get in a, a new way of living, thinking, and, and get on with it, because nothing can ever take you back to that changing room, banter, changing room environment, um, nerves of match day, excitement of scoring a goal, um, that will never, never happen again, unless you... No. Well, it never happened again, basically. Do you, think, um, do you think there's enough support for either players who retire through, you know, through age and naturally finish their careers, but also like young players who perhaps do come out of the system after they've finished, you know, 18, 19, they get dropped. Do you think there's enough support from whether it's the PFA or the FA or whoever? I, I, if I'm honest with you, there's things in place, but I don't think... Uh, I don't think they're proactive enough. Um, okay. I think I think there's plenty of stuff in place by the PFA. I don't know what the FA do, but I know that the PFA do quite a bit. PFA are but excellent. But again, you have to go to the PFA, and this is yeah. one of the toughest things for players to do mm. is to is to accept that they need help somewhere. Mm. They want you to come to you to them, and then they will open up and say, "Yeah, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that." But again, you've got to be a bit more proactive and, and understand that there's there's players out there that possibly need help but don't even know that they need it at this moment yeah. in time. Well, uh, I was I was I was in a similar I was in a similar situation then that I, that when I packed in that um, I was lost for probably six months and you know I mean somebody somebody passed my details on to um, Andy Barlow and uh, at the PFA and Andy rang me and sat down with me and, and told me what I should be doing and basically just to. Just to, just to explain that there's a life outside of football and things, and, 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 and that's good. Do I believe they, should, they could do more, Si? I do, but not, I'm, not, I'm not picking out individuals. I'm just thinking as an organisation, no. it's a huge, huge organisation. Um, and I think M said there about uh, being proactive, um, and being proactive could mean that someone's job is to um, notice and have a database of players' emails, address numbers, and ringing them straight away when they come out of football, picking up the phone and... Just, just to be another voice and just be some support because lads might have an agent, but 
agents sometimes drop players straight away when they get released and you know what I mean you're not you're not worth anything to, to somebody you know what I mean so it's a it's a difficult one and I do feel really sorry for people who um, who take it take it um, negatively really you know what I mean I don't mm -hmm. have anything to fall back on sometimes it's uh, it's hard it is hard I've always wondered though whether that could be a way for uh, maybe ex-players who are struggling with that transition is to maybe could the FA or other similar organisations employ ex-players who've been there, done it, had you know got the T-shirt, they know what it's like to play at the top level, but they also know what it's like to finish. Could they use utilise that experience, you know, and use those players in that role? So when they finish their career, they you know they they then go and help other players who are finishing their career and young players who are being dropped out of the game, maybe. Um, because it's a quite a unique experience, I think, being a professional sportsman. Obviously, you know, being the expert that I am on uh, <laughs> being a professional sportsman. But I think it's so unique that maybe in some ways it's easier to get that outlook from someone who's been there and done it than someone who perhaps is trained to do it. I think I think you're right in saying that. I think uh, again we tend to look at we tend to have tunnel vision on what we see in front of us. So when it comes to the FA, they they talk about England and they've got so much on their plate with that. Now with COVID nineteen and the the Euros moving to, they've got to try and organise that. Then then with not having as much sponsorship money, is that really in the forefront of their mind to worry about? players coming out of the game which yeah. they feel they should have already sorted themselves out mm. it's not in their remit yes no. it should be but again it's so far down pecking order that at, at times you're better off the PFA like you're saying the PFA have a database of everyone they have mm. a database of who's coming out they have a database of who's, whose contract's coming up to the end who's yeah. coming out who's coming to a certain end of end of a end of an era of, of having to uh, retire so they know all this and they could possibly uh, be a bit more proactive in, in that sense but again it's um, there's, only, there's only so much you can actually do yeah. uh, and you've got to be um, players as well have got to be on, on the forefront as well of basically asking for help as well, you can't just think that someone's going to be sitting there knowing what you're, you're going through yeah, 100%. It's, a, it's such an interesting conversation and I think it's clear for everyone, you know, anyone, whether you've been you professionals like you guys or just even like myself, um, who's just a fan, it's, it's clear that professional sportsmen, not just footballers, when they finish their careers, a lot of them need help to adjust, whether that's an ongoing help or just a little bit of help to get them on their feet. Um you know, I've spoken to boxers a lot um, with the podcast, and they have very you know similar issues. So it's uh, it's clear that there's there's stuff in place, but there the more needs to be done. Listen, um, Sai, if it helps, if it helps one person, it's it's done its, it's job. Worth you it. know, yeah. we, we we've we've had unfortunately we've done a show uh, on here about Chris Barker who who, who, who took his own life because uh, of his not being able to handle coming out of football. And if it just helps somebody, you know what I mean, a close friend of mine. But listen. It, it, it just, it just people just need to be aware that they're there sometimes. And Emil said that, um, you know, what I mean, sometimes the players don't even know that that, that they are still available when you're packing football. Exactly. They, they think it's exactly. some people just think that it's the PFA is a professional football associ uh, uh, association for when you're uh, when you're a player. They do more work for you when you're not. You know what I mean? They help me mm -hmm. help me go to university. They help me get my degrees. And so they've done a great job for me. So I, I can't mm -hmm. thank them enough. Really. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm 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 the same. So studying wise, they're helping me. 
mm-hmm. and I never even knew that that was there no, while I, I was staying as well. So yeah. again, it's been a bit more proactive and helping people even while they're playing. Because again, when you Andy, when we when we think about it, we have so much time on our hand. We could have done half of the stuff that you we're doing now. We could have done back then. Totally agree. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I had more time with hands then than I do now. It's just unbelievable. No, it's, just, it's just it's ridiculous, and it's. Uh, uh, it's the best job in the world, but at the same time, it's, it has, it's such a, uh, an emotional roller coaster. Um, but it's, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have changed it for the world because it's given me uh, an opportunity now to talk about it and get you on, my, on our show. So it's, uh, it's, it's win-win, mate. Win-win for, win-win for this. Yeah. Uh, right, moving on, Si. Moving on. So any other business? Yeah. So, um, so what we'd like to do, Emil, is we'd have a quick chat about some of the bigger stories of the week. Um, deep breath before I start this one. You won't so, like this one. You won't like this one. You won't like this one. Man United fan. Um, no, yeah, Liverpool won the league. Yeah, see, I'm happy. No, they deserved it. They um, and it looks like they're going to break many a record uh, before the season finishes. They're not quite there yet on the record front. But um, what's impressed you the most about Liverpool this year? Before the before the lockdown. The thing that impressed me the most was the actual relentlessness of them. Um, the, the thing that within football that they say all the time is winning ugly, and that was one of the problems we had when we were, when when I was playing for Liverpool. We we'd go and beat Man U, we'd go and beat Arsenal, and then we'd go and beat we'd go and get beat by the smaller club. And that that consistency to actually grind out results and get results when you're probably not playing the best. We've seen it with them t- this season against Southampton. We've seen it uh, uh, against uh, other, other teams as well, where they're probably not they're, they're probably not at their best, but they know how to win. And I think that was that's one of the key things that 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 stuck in my mind with with Liverpool this season. Obviously, after the break, it's been a little bit different, been up and down because again, imagine three months off and then coming back. Yeah. That, that's it's couldn't, crazy. Couldn't have been yeah, thought about exactly. It. Three, week, three, three, three months off, and then four week training. Well, two, two weeks of that has been uh, has been in groups of four. Yeah, I know. It's just it's not, not, it's not it's even training. It's, it's outrageous. He's he's, yeah. a, he's a good question for you, there, Emil. So, um, your Liverpool, your Liverpool era of your team against Jurgen Klopp's side now, who would who would come uh, who would come on top? Um, it'd be an interesting it'd be an interesting battle. Um, it would be. We were we were we were we were quite um, defensive, but but we played on counter attack. Uh, more so than they do now, they're very, they're very dynamic and they do play on the counter attack. They're very quick on the counter attack, but they had a lot more ball. Yeah. So I, I, I think it would be interesting. It would be interesting to see if this is a one-off game. I would say, I would, I would like to say us. Or if it was a player for season, player for player, pound for pound, I would probably agree because I, I just thought you know what I mean with uh, probably Stevie G, um, yourself, Michael Owen, etc. You know what I mean? I think. A lot, a, a more, more spine of the team than anything for me, yeah. you know. That yeah. I, I think, uh, and and like you say, you know what I mean. Your your defenders defended. Where I seen that Liverpool now, yeah. you've got Trent one side who plays as a right winger, you've got Andy Robertson who plays as a left winger. Um, it's just mm-hmm. you know what you I mean. If were, if, it, well, you, you, you can uh, you can, and I think uh, and I think when they played Man City and when they played the top top sides, uh, unfortunately that happened, and, and that's where they get they get mm-hmm. found out a little bit. But not enough teams mm-hmm. probably take the game to Liverpool now because they're scared and intimidated, so they sit back and play into their hands. Well, the thing is, you, you, Andy, when you go, you remember when we go to Man U, you go to Arsenal, you go to Chelsea, you sit back. Yeah. You sit back because you, you've, but the thing is, you've already lost the game. 
Yeah, straight away. You've already, you've already lost the game before straight you even get them. And we, obviously, I never did that. Obviously, never thought that way with Liverpool. But when I was at Leicester, Birmingham, uh, teams like that, Wigan, you kind of, you kind of, it's kind of damaged limitation already before you get onto the pitch. Before they've even so scored a goal. So how frustrating is it then for you? Because obviously, you you, you led the line on your own quite a lot. You know what I mean? Naming some of those clubs that you played for, um, mm -hmm. going into let's say Stamford Bridge for Birmingham that. They'll have set up very defensive. They'll have packed the midfield and probably left you up front on your own, isolated a little bit. So tell everybody how it feels to play that kind of lonely role. It's tough. It's tough because again, but you you got to understand the role as well. Because my how I understood the role as well was, um, I don't know if you thought about it this way is, when the ball comes up to me, hold that up or buy a foul. And then trying everyone up because if you keep well, if it keeps coming back, I, I couldn't do the first bit, but I could do the second. I could do the second bit really well. <laughs> because if it keeps coming back, you're never going to get out. No. So I, I I understood how to where to position myself to buy a foul, whether to hold the ball up and try and dribble and try and just keep it and and lay off to someone. And then usually you have to have runners. Uh, yeah. And again, it's it's, it's 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 a long afternoon. Put it. Um, and yeah. just on the formation, uh, just uh, you brought someone in the live chat. Uh, Yusuf said um, he had a question for Emil and Andy. With most teams playing four five one, four two three one, or four three three, essentially only playing one up top. How would you fare in today's game? Uh, the pressure to score is so high for a striker. Do you wish more teams played two up front, uh, as we don't have the usual any classical partnerships anymore? Well, we don't have any classical partnerships anymore, and that's that's a, that's a shame to be honest with you. Because again, coming from someone who's, who formed a great partnership with someone um, for for a club and country was just it, it's something that I loved. But again, I, would I would I be okay? Yeah, I'd be fine on my own to be honest with you. Because again, I I'd understood I understood the game, and as well, you're talking about the goals. A lot of the goals are now coming from the wing, hmm. from the from what is classed as a winger. Sorry. They play more inside now, and uh, like you're saying, Trenton thing. You play the 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 fullbacks are more the wingers now, but yeah. So uh, wingers wingers are scoring a lot more of your goals now as well. So um, would I would I be would I be okay? Yeah, hundred percent. I played up front I mean, most of the time anyway. I think, I think mine would be a little bit different side though, because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't probably play as a nine. I'd probably play as one of the behind anyway, because of the the way I played, the pace I had, I'd probably be out wide a little bit more. So. You know, I mean, I'd love to play up front like I did with Emil and I played with probably Brian Dean, Hamilton Ricard and, and some of the bigger players I played, Peter Thorne. That these kind of partners were perfect for me because they took the pressure off the game that I played and I wasn't one who could hold the ball open. Uh, you know what I mean? I enjoyed running the channel, I enjoyed using my pace and, and going on flick-ons and things. So it was it's just a different game, but I could adapt and I would have to adapt because it's just the way the football is. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, what's the, what I find quite interesting is is now, um, so Emil, sometimes you got criticised for maybe not being prolific in goal-scoring terms, um, but then now I think the, the the person who plays at the tip of that that, that formation, the, the, the nine who plays on his own with the three forwards behind, they they don't get as much criticism for not being pro prolific because it's not necessarily their job. Their job is to hold the ball up, to bring those three attacking players, the two wingers and the ten, into the game. Um, do you feel like, from that side of it, maybe you'd have been more suited to it these, these days? Or do you feel that no, because you played up front on your own anyway? Yeah, I, I, I was fine with that anyway. Because, again, I never fed into anything that anyone can sit here and we can criticise anyone. But, again, being on that football pitch is nothing better. Um 
Is it fair criticism though, Emil? Is it fair? No, no, not really. Because again, I, I was doing my job. I, I was do doing my well. job. I was, I was, I, I was, I was told to do, and I understood how to do it. So I did score my fair, my fair share. Of goals oh, as yeah. well. you did you? I ended up playing several different positions. Like myself, you, uh, you know, played on the wing a lot. And again, wingers, wingers back then were actually four crossing the ball and, and providing. Then I played. I actually played everywhere. To be honest with you, I played in I know you uh, left back, left wing, left wing, left back, yeah. right wing, right back, and front. So I, you know, it Man was just. Many you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, look, I, I enjoyed my time. And would I be? Was I? Uh, would I have fared better now? I don't know. Yeah, they are. Again, I, it, it's just totally different eras. Mm. Again, back totally then great. was the, the, the Ford should score your goals and should do this and should do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I bring so much more to the game. And we we played together. Uh, Yugoslavia, is that right? Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, hey, we won the game and we did what we needed to do. And exactly. you you scored. I didn't score, but I was like, it's not like I'm going to be going. I'm going to be upset. That we, we won the game. Did what we exactly. Well, to do. well, well. From what I remember about <laughs> the game, I was a long time ago. I remember you played better than me in the game, but I scored. So it's 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 not about it's it's how you perceive and how you, if you're happy with your own performance, you know that mm-hmm. it, it is what yeah, it is. Exactly. I, I, I seen an interesting interview by Chrissy Wilder on um, was it yesterday after they played? Uh, or was it the day before the beat? Um, the beat was it the beat Chelsea and uh, McGoldrick yeah, yeah, he's yeah, gone yeah, too. Yeah. He's gone. He hasn't two. scored. For, he hasn't scored for in the Premier League ever. So he's, he's going back years and years and years. And and he just said, "Listen, the lad's not bothered about it. He, he doesn't get criticised. He does a great job for the team." You know what I mean? So his record of goals going si, is is yeah, is, second to them. Is absolutely. You know what I mean? So you can't uh, you can't question some of things like that sometimes. Indeed, um, our next story. Not that I want to quickly move on from from liverpool talk whatsoever but uh <laughs> but uh was man sure this, city, is, this is worse well look man city banned um they were banned from the champions league i think it was two years it's been overturned what's the point in financial fair play seriously there's it's just pointless in my opinion uh what do you guys think uh emil go on we'll start with you um I don't know. If I'm honest with you, I don't know too much about the case, to be honest with you, to, to, to fully go, go so, fully into it. But go on. I was just going to say, um, I was, never mind. I was going to say, I thought I had a list of all the, the things. It basically comes down to the amount of money, sponsors, sponsors and, like and yeah, which, which within, using which loopholes. Within, uh, which is within their, um, their own um, network of, yes. of uh, they own and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I don't even know where I stand with financial fair play, to be honest with you. If you've got money to burn and you want to burn it on football, then why not? It's up to the owners, <laughs> I think. Well, we, we've yeah, had the same, we've had the same conversation on, on the Championship show, Emil, about, about Wayne Rooney signing for uh, for Derby County. That um, Obviously, the unveiling, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've seen it, obviously the unveiling of Wayne Rooney was through Red... Um, Red, Red 32, was it? Red 32, yeah. Um, and obviously, the rumour is that they're paying his wages, so it means that Derby County don't have to go into financial fair play. And it, and it is what it is. If you're if your sponsors and your partnerships are with a sponsor, and the sponsor's paying somebody's wages, then there's, there's there's ways and means of bending rules, and there's ways and means of doing it. And and for me, if it gets the best players in this country playing football, and there's there's a better spectacle, I'm all for it. You know, I'm, I don't want to see the best players having to go to Germany and Spain and Italy again. We've we've had we've had that for a lifetime. Uh, and for me, I want to be able to watch it first-hand live and, um, and, mm-hmm. and just be excited by the best players we can. And if Man City had been 
Um, taken out of you, potentially we're going to lose De Bruyne, we're going to lose all these excellent footballers, we're going to lose a good coach, good manager um, and it could be the start of an end of a, a great era for a football club and however I don't like teams who are really successful I like it to be a, a little bit more even I'll be, I'll be gutted to, after, after being so impressed with what Pep does so I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the decision but I just don't know where I stand with the, with the bigger picture the bigger picture for me is, would, is a mess Would you, would you, would you want um, salary caps in? Um, probably not in the Premier League. I think I think I could work in Championship, League One, League Two, and I think even things out. I, th- I still think you can do things with the league there about uh, north-south divide, so it would be less travelling, so teams can not spend as much money on travelling, so you get bigger crowds. Every game potentially could be a derby. Um, I, I just think if you had salary caps in the Premier League, I just think that the London teams would probably clear up. Uh, teams like West Ham, for example, would be able to attract better players because people want to live in London than go mm. and live in Newcastle, for example, and. Mm. I just think you know what I mean that certain places where aren't what well, aren't as nice to live would would get punished for it's for their struggle. area, it's which struggle. I don't yeah. think it'd be don't it be fair. So for me, if Newcastle want to pay somebody double the amount of money and be stupid enough to do that, then go and do it. And if a player decides to go and chase the money, so be it. You know what I mean? It's why people gone to China and then China decided to put a salary cap on and every every league to no, one, I no suppose. One does, no. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Um, I tell you one thing, it does do. Uh, is it suddenly made the top four race very, very tense and tight because obviously with the chance that, or with the, it was basically Man City, you're out of it, it made that extra space for the for the clubs chasing. That's gone now, so it suddenly makes it real tight. Um, so I'll ask you both real quickly, who is going to get that final top four space? You said that with a smile on your first side, so I'm guessing you want the answer what you're looking for. Uh, but no. I, I'll start before Cardiff aren't in the Premier League <laughs> mate. <laughs> uh, I do believe Man United are going to get into it but tonight's a massive game um, and I was just listening to Gary Neville about um, tonight's must win Southampton are a decent mm-hmm. side but uh, Man United have got all the tools now to finish the season the way that they've gone and, uh, and if they do Ole Gunnar Solskjaer deserves absolute credit by the way for what he's achieved because uh, nobody's seen this coming from the, the position he was in um, especially before lockdown so uh, I've got Man United will get in the top four and uh, what about yeah. you Emil? Uh, I, I think the same. Sadly to say that, because again, Leicester were doing so well. Yeah. Um, they were they were fabulous before the lockdown. Obviously, in the position that they're in, but they, but it's 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 actually been since the turn of the turn of the year. To be honest with you, from since then they've they've uh, I think it's like twenty games. The last twenty games, they've only won five. Yeah. They've lost. I... Yeah, they've lost about six or seven. What uh, do you think happened the there? What do you think happened there? Because they looked like they were going to be the ones to challenge Liverpool at one point. Exactly. Um, I, if I'm honest with you, I don't know. Um, uh, the only thing I could say is mentality. Not not, not having that that siege mentality. That, that that mentality to really finish off a season. They've mm. not been in that position for a long time, as in the players. Uh, some of them players have never been in that position because they weren't the ones who won. The, they weren't there when they won the league. Yeah. So um, it's been a tough, tough uh, uh, time for them because again, now looking at it, that they might not even make it into because again, they've got three games left. They lose all three of them. They've got a chance that they might not even make it into Europa because Sheffield you might might pick them. Yeah, it's, good. it's it's such a it's such a tough one because you know, I watched the game yesterday and what could have gone wrong in the second half did go wrong and it was just yeah. it's just so unlike Brendan Rodgers' side, so unlike Casper um, Michael, so unlike the, the mm. people who made a mistake. It was just yeah, it's happening every game now and, and, and not just happening they're getting punished as well and it's such a shame because they're, they're all top players they're all top professionals they're not, they didn't do it on purpose to, to lose the game yesterday you know what I mean which has put them in a, 
uh, precarious position and, 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 and handed potentially into somebody else. But they'll keep going, they'll keep fighting and you know what I mean, sometimes cream always rises and hopefully they can they can they can finish it off with Brendan because Brendan deserves it just as much as anybody really. Hundred percent and the the thing is and you you'd be in the same boat in a sense of at the beginning of the season you always sit down and you 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 map out what you want for the season and stuff like that. So I doubt they'd have said Champions League football. They'd have no, probably said no. top they'd have probably said top six or top eight. And they're actually well on course to do that. They're just a bit yeah. disappointed because they were so far ahead of everyone else. I think what was it, twelve points ahead of Man U or something like that yeah. once? Yeah, ridiculous, yeah. Now 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 uh, uh, after tonight's game they could be behind them. So it's yeah, difficult well, yeah, to take. Yeah, it's, 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 I'd want to swallow. I'd want to swallow. Um, right, so we'll move from the top uh, down to the bottom, Emil. So we've got, uh, obviously, um, one of your sides who's uh, deep in the deep in the mire. Uh, got a really positive result over the weekend, Aston Villa. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, Norwich fell through the fell through the tap, trap door and I didn't obviously see the, the Bournemouth result happening. So what, what's your thoughts on the on the, on the the bottom four? Because uh, I think, you know what I mean, obviously Norwich going out of there. There's, there's probably two places going to go. Do you believe that it's going to be Villa and... Um, and Bournemouth were going to fall, fall in? Up, up until then, two games, um, I, I thought it was going to be um, Villa and Bournemouth. I couldn't see them actually, I, I honestly couldn't see them winning another game. Yeah, I thought that. But then obviously, Bournemouth, Bournemouth actually created a lot of decent enough chances against Man U, even though they got beat. Defensively, they weren't good enough and that's probably been one of their things. Uh, then they played against Spurs and actually did okay as well. They should probably should have. They probably should have won that game. No, we, spoke, we spoke there all Emil, didn't we, about, uh, about teams sitting back and, and playing one up. Bournemouth at Old Trafford didn't do that. They went and attacked, mm -hmm. they got the lead. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, the, 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 old, the old defensive problems hit them really hard and they let more goals in. They still attacked, but you know, I mean, they let, they let gaps wide open and, and, and they lose the game quite heavy in the end. But it's, um, yeah, it's difficult to take sometimes because Eddie Howe's a good coach. Um, and if, <laughs> he, if, he, if he drops down, will he, will he still be there to push him back up? Or... Will somebody else take a, you know, I mean, take a punt on him? I, I do fear for football well, clubs sometimes. Has he, has he, has he taken them as far as he possibly can? Mm, yeah, need a new a, challenge, in the sense of good, someone good else question. that he can actually take, who who had the potential to even go even further, and and he takes them that for that that, that, that much further. Um, which, is, which is, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to look at. Has he taken them as far as as he possibly can? Because again, they only really was it eleven thousand seater stadium. Um, yeah. They could possibly get more, obviously, down there. But he, he, for what he's done, he's done a fantastic job. Then does he deserve a little bit bigger and 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 a, and a, and a club that's going to be very very ambitious with what he could possibly do? Yeah, and then obviously you've got Watford totally as well. And I think Watford Watford are one of the most equipped for getting out of that because again they've got uh, Nigel Pearson, who's who uh, at Leicester did the great escape at Leicester. The season before they won the won the league, that was seven seven wins in uh, seven wins in eight games, yes. seven yes. wins in the last eight games. So um, he knows what it takes to motivate to get the players in the right mind frame to get out of that position and really have a go. He doesn't put any pressure on them, and it's and it's actually, I tell you what, the, the pandemic and, and having no crowd is probably a good thing for these lads because again, there's no pressure on you. To make mistakes and stuff like that, because again, playing in front of a thirty thousand fans and making a wrong path or doing something wrong is not easy. Yeah, we said that we said this a few times over the last couple of weeks that some players are coming to the forefront because they're really enjoying playing with no fans in, in the stadiums because they're they're making mistakes but they're getting on with it straight away instead of instead of hiding for five, six, seven, ten minutes or getting brought off because we're having a bad game and, and fans getting on the backs and 
hopefully this is showing supporters um, how good certain players are because um, mm-hmm. I, we'll use Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood is a, he's an obscene talent. He's, 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 he's got a real talent and he's got an opportunity to push on and go to another level. But at the same time, he's, he's, he makes mistakes, but he just gets mm-hmm. on with it because he's got nobody there to have a go at him. He's got no supporters who are... Uh, who were trembling and having a, having, a, having a little whinge from the stands and listen, 75,000 fans who were mourning that Apache were giving away, you're going to know about it and you're going to hear about it and it's going to hit you. So he's now got an opportunity to grow his confidence and his level and, and get to a, a level of his ability uh, and, and push on and hopefully when fans do return, uh, which is hopefully soon by the way because it's, uh, it's nice to have fans back because there's nothing better than scoring a goal in front of supporters and he, uh, he deserves that opportunity because uh, you know, he's played a lot of his football life Europe before the lockdown because Man United were playing Behind closed doors in the Europa League a couple of times, so he's done a he's done a lot of his games without fans there. <laughs> yeah. So, one thing I wanted to ask you, Emil, about um, about Villa was uh, if they stay up or if they go down, do you think Jack Grealish can? Is there any way Jack Grealish can stay if Aston Villa get relegated? No. Um, I, even if they stay up, uh, I think it'd be hard to keep someone. He's done. He's, in a way, he's, he's he's done his time at Villa. He stayed mm. when he he, um, he possibly could have left. Uh, I think it was Spurs put an offer, didn't they? Yeah, and, Spurs um, and uh, United as well have put an offer in. Yeah, there you go. So um, he could have he could have left, and he signed his contract, stayed, kept the, kept kept going, brought them up. So he did what he needed to do, and unfortunately, he hasn't. It, it just hasn't been good enough to stay up. Uh, well. To this point, sorry, uh, but you know, um, we don't yeah. know if they, they might still get out of it, we don't know, but um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see actually whether he'd stay or not. I, I don't think he will, I think it will be and he'll be looking at a new chapter. He's what 25 now or 24 25. So, again, it will be a time where you're probably looking at it saying, Okay, the next chapter's here for me, where can I go? What's the next chapter for me? 50 million pound, or you know, around that is gonna, it's a lot of money to turn down particularly if you get relegated, but I think it's a lot of money for a kind of bottom half Premier League club to turn down for a, for a homegrown player where they, you know, it's cost, they cost nothing to sign. Uh, and I think it's a lot of money at the end of the day, isn't it? Regardless of how much money is in As football. an individual as well, though, si, he needs to kick on to another level. If he wants to go and represent his country level and regular, yes. I think he's he's got to go to another club and, and kick on to another level if that's... Um, uh, if that's playing, with, playing and training every day with with better players, then he's going to become a better footballer. Because at the minute, he's a for me, he's a big fish in a in a little pond, um, so to speak, at Villa. And he, there's a lot of pressure on him to set goals up and things. And wait, for me, it's not natural sometimes when he's not playing well. Everyone blames him for getting beat. That's not fair. You know, he needs to be on a on a level playing field with other people, um, and then just enjoying his football. Because sometimes it looks like he's got the world on his shoulders, and I feel really sorry for him because he's a he's a Villa fan, and and hope the Villa fans do accept when he does leave. That he's done it for the right reasons, and he's and he stayed probably longer than he should have. Hundred percent, um, Emil. You mentioned um, just now about the Yugoslav game, which you and Andy played in, um, and that's not the first time that game has come up. Uh, Mister, when we had Adrian Bevington on a few weeks ago, he mentioned that game, um, and he. I think the, correct me if I'm wrong, and but I think the the quote he said he was said it was the the worst uh, racist abuse he'd ever witnessed. Um, he was quite still, you know, even you could tell talking to him, he was still quite shocked by it. Um, and sadly, me and Andy have had to talk about 
uh, instance of racist racist abuse throughout this season on several shows. And I've just literally had a notification to say David McGoldrick of uh, Sheffield United has been targeted by racist abuse on social media today or over the last couple of days. It seems to be a very big problem. Um, But I was wondering if you could tell us firsthand that Yugoslavia game in particular, you were a very young player. That must have been real difficult to to deal with. Um, You know, I've spoke about that one. I've spoke about Croatia and I've spoke about Slovakia as well. Um, And that one was tougher than the other ones who had more crowd. Andy will Mm. tell you there was only 15 15 people in the crowd, if that. Hardly anybody, yeah. And there was one guy kept on standing, shouting, shouting, all sorts. And it was just... You know, when you can hear it from one guy, it makes it worse than if you heard it from loads of, loads of, loads of others. What's that, 1-0 Southampton? 1-0 Southampton, yeah, yeah. Pogba mistake, apparently. Oh, well. Um, so, makes, yeah. Makes us, look, makes us look stupid again, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, I, th- I think it... it the, the, again, I grew up in an era where racial abuse, you were kind of used to it. So, I'm not saying that it was... It was uh, that. that, that you know, I, I I wasn't hurt by it or anything, but I got kind of kind of grew thick skin to know that you just throw it off and go again. Um, but to, the fact that it's still happening now is 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 weird because when was and when was that ninety ninety six ninety seven yeah yeah yeah, yeah and it's still yeah. happening now we're twenty twenty. Educa- educa- educationally wise because I'm sure it happened to Wilfred Sahar Wilfred Sahar got um, uh, racially abused on social media I think mm-hmm. it was Instagram and a 12 year old mm-hmm. boy got arrested it, listen that's down to the parents bro- mate, that is, sorry me there. 12 year old boys you know what I mean don't wake up on the morning you know what I mean they hear this at home they hear this from other people and it's just absolutely disgusting or they hear it at school education is so important to children you know what I mean to educate mm-hmm. them the right way to uh, about people's beliefs, about people's skin colour, you know, that, uh, listen, you know what I mean, uh, the FA, uh, or UEFA, you know what I mean, Black Lives Matter and doing the campaign, which we're obviously going to talk about uh, in a second, Emil, that uh, mm-hmm. it needs to carry on, but they also need to uh, throw in education for children because people, you know, we don't, you don't, you just don't, we don't wake up on the morning and become racist, you know what I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's drilled into you, you know what I mean, it's drilled into you from a, a young age or you'd learn it from somebody, you don't, you know what I mean, so, you know, what I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condoning what the, what this 12 year old boy did, by the way, because he's he's bang out of order. But there's there's a bigger picture. You know what I mean? So yeah. the person who he's heard it from first, are they getting punished? Probably not. But they should be punished. Or they should feel more guilty than the kid than than his than his son feels or the friend feels or something because someone else has told him this is a good idea. And you know what I mean? It's backfired but, because but, the social media is massive with footballers. The worst thing for me on that on anger with um, with the one that. Um, uh, Wolf of Zaha is the pictures. Yeah. Now, yeah. how do you know, as a twelve-year-old, to put that picture with that? And because you're talking about stuff that was, you've got to have learned that from somewhere. Someone's got to yeah. have taught you that for you to actually put them pictures together and put it all yeah. and put it all in a, in, in context. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, where is it? Where are they learning this? You yeah. know, because again, like I've got a twelve-year-old. Yeah, same here. And I wouldn't know. I, 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 I hope he wouldn't even know all that stuff unless he's learning that at school because he wouldn't be learning it from me. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's the thing about 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 bringing kids up and educating them. You know what I mean? You try and keep them safe. You try you try and protect them from certain things. But 
whoever son this is, you're not you haven't protected him. You've 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 absolutely ruined yeah. his life because this is going to be exactly. he's going to be, be remembered for this. He's yeah, gonna, he's going to live with, with him it. For, he's going to stick with him forever. You know what I mean? If he does get prosecuted, which you know what I mean, is he too? They young might make an example of him, mate. Well, this is this is what I believe. Because it's so you know? public. You know what I mean? Could he? Is he? For me, I'd ban him from. I ban him for life for football. So he never goes there watching football. It should should be a stigma on his life forever, or somewhere. So he, so it sticks with him forever because he needs to learn and learn the hard way. And so so his family he lives with it as well. So. So right, so here's the thing. Okay, I'm gonna play like devil's advocate. Not anything. Not not from the racist point of view because obviously that's sickening but what i'm going to say is um so this he is a child he's he's learned that behavior from someone should the rest of his life be tarred with it because he's learned that behavior from either an older child or a relative or someone i'm don't know if i'm like i'm like he should be punished 100 percent, and if that means being charged by the police etc then that's the you know what they should do but ultimately he should be able like we should educate him and try and Not do some him, sort of the, fam- the, the family yeah of course the whole family the whole yeah family, absolutely whole family, i totally agree because also he's, he's though, also, I mean, you, you don't even know you don't even know that the child himself's done it you know what i mean because somebody else yeah. could have used his account so it could be the parents um well, same thing you know what i mean it could be it could be the parents using his son's account you know what i mean to to yeah. be a coward and you know what I mean? And this is this is where we and just thinking becomes, they may have been thinking that they won't get charged because it's a child. Age, so they totally thought agree. they were being yeah. I, I didn't I, even listen, think of that. The whole but. the whole things. You know what I mean? We, and we go back to ninety seven. You know what I mean? It's a cowardly act. You know what it's I mean? Infuriating. You, it's, it's cowardly act. You know what I mean? That that people can um, stand in a stand and shout racist abuse, make silly chants. Um, they can write things on social media in twenty twenty. It's just it's just cowardly. You know what I mean? That that. Education is, is paramount and it starts in schools, it starts at home um, and bigger things need to be done about it. Um, Black Lives Matter is a, is a fantastic campaign and everybody, you know what I mean, is, is fully involved in it. You know what I mean? And it's so nice to see the start of every game. It's absolutely a privilege to watch. Um, but then it's still happening and it's probably happening worse this last week than, than, than ever again, which mm-hmm. shouldn't be happening, you know, that if we're, if we're learning from it, then sometimes... Though that can be the opposite, have the opposite impact that 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 because it's out there and it's it's relevant, the people then are using it as an excuse and thinking, oh well, I'll do it. And it, that's not an excuse to do it. It's it's childish, it's immature, um, it's dangerous, and it's it's gonna it's affecting far too many people because it's just it needs to stop. It's got to stop because, like Emil said, you know what I mean. It, it, and Emil said something interesting, and I'm going to disagree with you because you know what I mean. You said. Um, you grew up with thick strain, you, 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 you became to think it was, you get used to it. No one should ever have to get used to it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If Emil shouldn't have to get used to it in 96, 97, growing up as a, as a 16, 17, 18-year-old footballer, and now they should Wilfred Zaha in 2020 being a 26, 27-year-old man. You know, it's just, yeah. people should be able to go to work, walk down the street, go to the supermarket, and not expect any kind of abuse. If that's your colour, your race, your beliefs, it's just very poor. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, these, mm-hmm. these lads are going on the football pitch, doing something what, Everybody loves and everybody would swap with, you know what I mean? But they don't deserve the, the abuse and, and especially the racist abuse, what they're getting for, 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 for being a hero to, to many. Just because they've scored against your club, that's, that's yeah. what it makes it even worse for me, you know? that mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's just embarrassing. embarrassing. Do, do you know, from a football point of view and a sporting point of view, I hold uh, FIFA and UEFA uh, 
quite responsible for it still being an issue in 2020 because I feel like they've had many, many times when they could have dealt with it in football and made an example of a club or a club, a nation's fans or etc. And they always, always take a kind of soft touch to the punishment. Well, the thing is, I think with that, I think with, with you saying that a soft touch, that's that's what they 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 don't they don't see it as a major problem because again you have to you ask a 60 70 possibly an 80 year old uh white person what uh they think of that it was, oh, it's not that bad is it it's not that bad it's just it's just name calling but you ask a younger person they'll say no it cuts deeper than that you ask yeah. a younger black person it cuts deeper than that yeah so if, if you've got to remember who's actually dishing out these punishments uh, uh, I think it was uh, Bentner. Bentner got 80 grand for uh, just showing his... Um, Paddy Power. Sure, yeah. yeah. Underpants away. But, yeah. but, but it went against one of their sponsors. So you've got, this is this is what's infuri- infuriates them. But when it comes to racism, it's like, it's not that bad. It's name-calling. Well, it's not quite name-calling. It's, it's a bit deeper than name-calling. But Emil, you spoke about Croatia and Slovakia, but we, we obviously England... Um, was it last year, the year before, when they played Bulgaria? Um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know what I mean? For Earlier me, this year, wasn't it? For me, there was an opportunity there to uh, make a stand. Um, and for me, I think teams were... And I'm not blaming England, by the way, because you know, England probably did, did it just right. But I think other teams, when it was involved uh, within the same impact and within the same week, because obviously, they were, obviously it, was, it was quite a high, high profile at the time. Somebody needed to walk off and make a statement, and then they needed UEFA to back them and FIFA to back them and say, "Listen, yeah, you win that game five 0 Nobody should have to deal with what's going on and and then move on." And you know, I mean, instead of instead of giving, um, I think Bulgaria got what a two game, two game behind closed door ban, uh, money ban, which doesn't matter, and the manager but lost the his job. Is, well, that's just not, not enough even, for me. But even that um, uh, two game behind closed door, who are you actually punishing there? Yeah, you're punishing, you're punishing the team that that they're actually playing against. So exactly. let's look at Croatia. Croatia played England uh, behind closed door. Jaden Sancho um, plays his, makes his debut. His parents can't come and watch them. Why? Because you're punishing. You're trying to punish um, Croatia. You're actually punishing me now. That's my debut. My family. My family should be able to come to that game. My family cool. should be able to experience the 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 the, 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 the what it means for me to represent my country. And you've spoiled that. Totally that agree. To totally agree. Totally agree. Hey, that's two one Marshall. Two one man. Two one man. Wow. Um, I, I totally agree, Emil. And, and, and you know what? It's it's because family play a big part in a, in a young footballer's career. You know that my, my mum and dad went yeah. there, uh, went to my debut, um, and you know I couldn't have done it without them. You know, and I'm so proud that, that that they were there to to, to enjoy it, uh, like I enjoyed it. You know, so I, I feel so sorry for people who, who, who whose family don't feel safe. Uh, who can't go because they're not allowed any supporters, you know, like you say, you know what I mean? They're, they're punishing the wrong people and they're punishing um, innocent people who just want to get on and watch games of football and play football <laughs> in front of supporters yeah. because, you know you know yourself, you know what I mean? There's, it's not easy sometimes to play in front of an empty stadium, you know what I mean? In a game what counts and um, that might um, help uh, other teams raise their game and, and, and feel no pressure, whereas if it's intimidated against England, it can, it can have a different impact, but yeah... Um, mm-hmm. No, it's it's not it's not it's not it's not fair. It's 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 you know what I mean. We're it's, it's we're living in an equal world with with with, um, with diversity and just for me, it's just we need we need, we need to remember that and uh, education well, within, for me in primary school and secondary schools is paramount. Yeah, within within FIFA and UEFA, I think if if you ask the right people, 
you get a, you get a uh, you get a, a, a substantial answer. Yeah. Then for you to actually um, to, to implement that, because again, if you ask if you ask black people or black players what they what you feel they should do, they will tell you. Then you probably won't want to do it because it'll be you'll think, oh, that's a bit too much. Yeah. Too much for what? We're just going to keep hearing it. There's no boundaries. Is there? someone's going to and 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 I'm not I'm not I'm not going to feel sorry for them here, but someone's going to take the brunt of it and someone's going to get really hit. And if it's a twelve-year-old who takes yes. the brunt of it, then so be it. Because someone down the line one day has got to take the wrath of everybody from what from what's happened previously. From what's happened, yeah. So. Yeah. Before, before, it, before somebody doesn't do it again, because it's, it's at the minute, it's, it can't just slap someone's wrist and say, "Don't do it again." It's not enough. Not enough. And, it, not and enough. this freedom of speech thing, I, I, mm. I know a lot. I hear a lot of people saying freedom of speech. And I, that's just nonsense. Ah, it's rubbish. It's absolutely rubbish. Yeah. Because it, but you don't have a right. You know what I mean? And people say I have a right because I pay my money to go and watch a game of football. Yeah, well, you you have a right to sit in the stand and watch a game of football. You don't have a right to shout what you mm. want to shout. You don't have a right after a game to pick your phone up. And tag somebody in it and write this and write that. It's just absolute nonsense and disgusting. So it's for me, you don't have a right. And if anybody thinks any different, then come on the show and tell me that I'm talking rubbish because I'll, I'll back myself. I'll back myself on it, hundred percent. Spot on, mate. Um, do you know what? I find it infuriating that in 2020 we are still talking about um, people saying these things, doing these things because. It just, it, it, I get quite upset by it. There was like that people are still saying it and doing it. It kind of really gets to me. Like Andy, when we started the show at the start of the season, I did not expect to have to talk about incidents of racism. As and we've done it, I would say probably four or five times. Like where there's been actual instance mm. of something. It's infuriating. I didn't expect um, to have. I didn't expect to have tweets this weekend about it after after the project. What's going on? It's just it's, it's no. absolutely re- revolting. But, but. Um, okay, so we've got like a, a massive backlog of questions. Yeah, we have a uh, one. Amazing. So um, I'm going to try and go through some of these. Uh, Christian McGrain asked, uh, "Is it true that they had to cut the neck of your shirt so it would fit over your head at Leicester?" No. 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 <laughs> first one. I don't know what, what a question! What a question! Well, it's the first one. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know why that, or where all that come from, the cutting of the actual... But we had the V-net like that, and then just there, we used to cut it. I don't know why everyone did it. I'm not sure. Oh, but I, I, don't, I, don't get, I don't get the socks now. Yeah, like people wear ankle socks and then cut the other socks and put... I just don't get so, it. I just, it's just well, the thing is, but the thing is, when you, I, I, I can understand it, because certain socks... You remember when you used to wear certain socks and gather in inside your boot by the end of, yeah. by the, end of training, or they twisted round? So now the socks actually stay. They've got these, all these grips on them, and they stay where they are. So you just end up cutting, just having half that, that, the top end of your sock, and then having and just taping the and, and putting on a normal sock. I'd be scared of my kit, man. If I started cutting the socks up, I'd say I would. I don't think I would have got. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, Emil, someone else wanted to know. I can't find the question. Are you sat on a throne? No, it's King Eddie, King uh, Heskey, King Heskey. King Heskey. This is this is in the bedroom. And it's, um, and then we had the, the question then. who's the greatest striker you've ever played with hey, sat next to me thank you myself oh, <laughs> I did it I pointed the wrong way <laughs> there we go <laughs> um, I did, my favourite strike partner was obviously Michael he's, he's a wonderful player and I played with Michael from the uh, 18s I think it was 
Um, yeah, yeah uh, it was 16 at the time. So we just formed a great partnership. Everything just clicked. And it just went from strength to strength. And we all we both understood what we, what we wanted from each other. And what more do you want in a partnership? I mean, tell everybody how good he was, though, because, you know what I mean? I, I, listen, I think, I, I've, I've come across he, some players, but he's just at, to another level. He was just amazing. You look at all these players now and you look at players and you're saying, oh, he's great this and he's great that. Uh, 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 and then I think Greenwood is now the next one that everyone's raving about. And don't get me wrong, he's a wonderful, fantastic player. The way he manoeuvres the ball. And I, I think he's left footed, if I'm right in saying. Yeah, but not sure, though, I'm, are you? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not this... sure. I, I, I don't know. But then look at Michael. Then put, put him next to Michael. Look at Michael's stats. It blows, his, Michael's stats will blow him away. Michael's stats blow most people's away. Yeah. Well, he won, the the, he, won the, he won the Ballon d'Or. You know what I mean? The amount of goals he scored in the Premier League. You know what I mean? But he, I'm talking about Real Madrid. Oh, that is. Yeah, it's just outrageous. You know? just, but, yeah, but 18, I, I, I think he was the final by 18. I can see that talent in the 14, though. When I, I seen him coming through England schoolboys oh, okay. and some of the goals he used to score for England schoolboys, he'd get the ball on his own box and beat everybody and score goals at St James's Park yeah. against Scotland. And I was just like, oh, God, this is just, you know what I mean? I was lucky enough to play England schoolboys with him uh, once for Sc- against Scotland and he, I think he scored five or six in the same game. And he's just, <laughs> listen, he's, it, 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 it was relentless. He was relentless. Yeah. And you, you're on about um, selfish, but selfish in, a, in an unbelievable way that he just enjoys yeah. scoring goals, you know. Mm. that Selfish that sometimes comes across a really, really bad word, but... I thought it's a positive for him because he was just, uh, he was, he's outrageous. And you know what? Um, for somebody that good, how nice he was as well, you know, how humble mm-hmm. he was. He was brought up really well, lovely family. Um, and just, yeah, nicest, nicest, nicest guy ever, you know what I mean? He gets loads yeah. of stick now about, about the way he comes across on, 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 on TV and stuff. And you know what I mean? But that's just so unfair because people don't, unless you do things like this and people don't really get to know you and people don't really get to know that uh, what works and what doesn't work and, People just perceive you as it is. If the camera's just sat in your face, that of course you're going to say what you need to say. Things again, again, I don't think he's anything conscious. I don't think he said anything bad. No, to be honest, he doesn't. To be honest. No. People say I think, I people think, say he's boring a meal, but I, you know, you is, know. Is, is that the tone of his voice? Is that what is it? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, but you know different though, because you know how, how funny he is. He's, he's always up yeah. to stuff. He's you know what I mean. He's, him he's, and Cara, him and Cara are nuts. Ah. Them, them two together, they're, they're like best mates. Dangerous, yeah, dangerous. All of them, all the scouts as well. Yeah, to be fair, they were. <laughs> but that is, it's, it's interesting to see because, again, um, you put, I, I, I would say, put Michael's record up against anyone else's, you, you'll see who's on top yeah, when it agree. comes to a certain age group. But then, yeah. at a certain age, and then obviously, at a certain age, he got all his injuries, so he kind of just tailed off after that, and it was just disappointed to see. But yeah. up until like 18, I think they were talking about Greenwood's got 10 goals, Michael was up at 18. Yeah. Already, we're at the age yeah. of 18. Uh, Al asked, uh, Who was your idol growing up? Uh, he also asked, Who was your favorite strike partner? And do you have any pre match superstitions? Um, idol growing up would have been John Barnes and Ian Wright, players like that. Uh, I used to run and pretend to be John Barnes. I'm right footed, but you know, you, but it actually helped because you pretend that you're, you're dribbling with your left foot, so you're pretending that it, so it's working for you. You're, mm. actually, you're actually learning. Um, but yeah, uh, someone like that. Uh, stri- favorite strike partner, obviously Michael. Like I said, we we formed a partnership from a very young age, and it just clicked. Everything just clicked, and it worked really well. And then what was the last one? Uh, pre-match superstitions. I didn't actually didn't have any. And um, it's funny to see you get held hostage by a lot of them pre-match um, superstitions mm. because 
I see a lot of people saying that they put this on first and they put that on first or they go through the door first. They have to be... Imagine if you had to be the first one to change you and I go and change you before you. Hmm. Then me and you have got... You're, you're upset with me. Totally yeah, 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 yeah. So I think totally you get held hostage. I think you get held hostage with a lot of that. Martin, Martin O'Neill was was one of those. Um, if we won one game, 3-0 or whatever, and we did this, we've got to do that again. Can't come out and do this without that. And, and in the end, you're like, do we have to? I told the story. I told the story last week. So I didn't know about Chrissy Wilder. That Chrissy Wilder made us. Um, uh, we won a game away from home one week, and, and we hadn't won for so many weeks. So he, he he made us go for a drink on the Friday before the game. So we had about two or three pints. Uh, won the game one nil, which is great. Then did it the following week. Didn't work. We got beat five nil. It's just <laughs> it just it just messes with you. You think sometimes it, it, yeah. it listen. It was just the couldn't be into being further from the truth. But it doesn't make anybody a good manager or a bad manager. You just you just get on with it and, uh, yeah. and try and nail it as much as best you can. You know. Uh, last quick question then before we get into your career to finish off, uh, Emil. Uh, Nick asked, who is the toughest defender you've played against? Uh, I'll probably say Sol Campbell. Um, big lad, bigger than me. Just as quick yeah, as me. Just that's, as that, takes, me. that takes some doing as well, yeah. doesn't it? You know what I mean? I bet though as well on the flip side though, I bet if you asked Sol Campbell who was the hardest opponent, he would probably say yourself as well though because he... Yeah. He probably knows that he's been into a game, you know, where... Yeah, exactly. I, I, one of my questions, if someone asked me the question, it solves the same thing that, you know what I mean? I, I had to probably give myself a little bit of space and stay as far away from him as I could to get any joy from him, where try and get him in the box, which is the hardest thing in the world because you're trying to get these good players who are really experienced upstairs that to stay out of the box. So, you know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. trained very well to do that. So it was a different, yeah. obviously different cat-and-mouse game for me. Yeah, um, and you're like you're saying, I would, I would play up against him. Yeah. So I would physically try and put myself up against him and it's tough yeah it's tough even though i i, I back myself but oof, geez. so when you're finishing you you've been in a game 100 percent. like in the gym all day <laughs> <laughs> um andy's dad i also asked um a question he said they're, ta- on. they're, they're talking about playing trent in midfield for liverpool what do you think um trent actually is a midfielder if you don't know, um, I didn't know that. He came through, yeah, he came through the ranks as a midfielder, and then I think someone, someone slowly moved him out to the right, and because he's got so much energy on him down, he's a he's a he's a right back now. Uh, and I, I got asked the question: Would I would I play him central midfielder? Well, when you've got the best, possibly arguably the best right back in the in the world at this moment in time, it's why would you put, why would you put him in midfield? When you, Are you, 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 you trying to accommodate someone? You've got to vote stats, Emil. So when you've got somebody who's, who's got as many assists as he has from a wide yeah. position and from set yeah, pieces, yeah. why would you? If it's not broke, don't fix it. You know that you've got. Exactly. You know, if you if you listen, if, the players I've got in midfield, it works. You know that if, if you take him out of there and you take him out of the position he's in, I, I don't know. Would it? Would the they have less energy down one side? Um, you know, I mean, I know that I know they put Andy Robertson right back when they had the young lad on. Um, you know, obviously he scored so you know what I mean you can say it worked but it's, it's about the amount of chances are created sometimes if you create less chances it's not as effective and you know we would, would will, will Klopp will Klopp go with that long term I'm, I'm not so sure what, if it's not broke uh, I don't know I don't know if they've got exactly I don't know if they've got a few injuries in, in, in midfield so they're probably trying to plug certain gaps but again I, I don't know why you'd play your best like, why you'd play the best uh, right back in centre midfield yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Roberto Carlos said that uh, about someone once. He goes, uh, he, he just killed me. He play, I know I had a load of energy, but he played. I'm a left back. Why is he playing me centre midfield? Yeah, yeah. I'm the it's best not left back in that. Exactly, I totally agree. Great shout. 
It reminds you a little bit of Cafu, but you know, just younger, get yeah. up and down. You know, just so fit. Danny yeah, Alves, exactly. he's just got he's just got those attributes. So, yeah, while he's got those those attributes, just carry on doing what you're doing. And when you get a little yeah. bit older, you can tuck inside a little bit and and start spraying balls around and just use your strengths because he's he's very talented, very talented individual. Mm-hmm. See, he Sam, he's he full of great comments, isn't he? Yeah, that's it, mate. That's mm-hmm. it. So, um, well, I just saw there's a load more questions as well. We'll get to those right at the end. Um, so I wanted to touch on your career, Emil, a little bit. But just before we do, I'd like to know, what is your earliest football memory? Um, playing. Anything. Or just anything. Watching, playing, anything. Uh, watching, I, I obviously, I was a Liverpool fan, but watching um, from stadiums, I, I went to Leicester. Obviously, because I'm, I'm born, in, born and raised in Leicester and I was playing for Leicester, so they, they, would, give you, they would give you tickets for that. Um, going at under-14s, I went with my mates, dads and all that. And I remember Kevin. I went to Luton once, and Kevin Campbell played for Leicester at the time and scored actually. Mm. Card of legend, and, and, proper player. And um, and it was uh, Luton back then was um, what I was. I'm going to say 3G, but it's probably not even 3G. Back no, then. It's, it's, it's like probably, no, it's like a car park. Yeah, that's what it was. It's horrible, horrible. I don't even think 3G had come out then yet. It's like but, Preston. Preston had the same pitch, and it was just—it was awful, awful. Yeah, used to hate this. Yeah. Hated playing it. Hated playing it. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna start crying in a minute. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna talk about um, probably one of the best moments you had in a in a Leicester, Leicester City shirt, Emil. And that was it. That was a cup final. I think it was a Carling Cup final, wasn't it? And it was. Um, Scoring the equaliser at Wembley. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. I was I was I was disappointed because I wasn't in the wasn't in the sixteen, but I was only a young kid. I'd made my debut, but I was um, I was there as a supporter, and and what I couldn't get my head around was was how um, open the game was, how mm-hmm. um, noisy the game was. The atmosphere was just unbelievable. But anyway, so to play in it, obviously you're going to tell the story in a minute. But the noise when Ravenelli scored was was amazing. I thought that couldn't be beaten. But then the noise when you scored was just. Because the Middlesbrough fans were just deafened because of the way and how it happened with with the extra time um, equaliser. But tell everybody mm. how good that day was for you. It was it was an amazing day, and I don't know if you remember, mm. like not long before we played you, and you spanked us at Filbert yeah, Street. We did, yeah, we did. Yeah, and Janinia was on fire. No, he's to bits. Mm. And then uh, Martin Neil decided to put Pontus Carmark on him to mark him the whole game. So he literally followed him around all over the game, and we knew it was going to be it was going to be tough. Uh, you had uh, Emerson, is that him? Emerson, yeah, Emerson, yeah. Yeah, you had him and Ravinelli, players like that, and I was like, wow. But we we as long as we stayed in the game, we knew we had a uh, we had half chance because again, I could probably create something. Stevie Claridge would probably be able to nick a goal when if we had corner or anything like that. Walshy yeah. and them coming up as well. We had we had we we had a quite a decent side, so. And then obviously, um, I think Walshy headed it onto the bar or something. Yeah, came down a bit of a scramble, and, yeah. Yeah, scramble. And I just made, uh, managed to toe poke it in, and, yeah. and then it just all erupted, didn't it? And it was just yeah, an amazing just, day. And you know what? I think, I think, I think the the game was well, the, the final was won on that moment because I, I don't know if you remember the the replay at Hillsborough. It was just a mm-hmm. bit of a dead rubber. It didn't really feel like a cup final because. Mm. Um, being at Hillsborough, should, I don't know why it wasn't at Wembley. I'm not really sure the ins and outs, but you know, I mean, to play a final, uh, a replay at Hillsborough, you know, I'm in front of probably a third or half of the attendance what we had previously in the week before, just didn't really make sense to me. But um, mm-hmm. the FA decides these these crazy and silly things at times. But uh, I think Steve Clavish scored the winning goal, decent finish if I remember, like quite a, mm-hmm. like a scissor kicky sort of sort of finish. And you know yeah. what? Yeah. When you say there about having a decent side, I thought they were. Workman like, but they had so much quality, you know, that you just seem to complement each other really well. And 
Um, like I said, in the midfield, Muzzy Izzitz and the, uh, the Neil Lennons, uh, the Steve Walsh, uh, the Elliots, uh, just just full of very good footballers and just mm-hmm. everyone did the job to a man. And we probably had a, a little bit more quality individually, you know, yeah. the stars, yeah. but didn't really come together as a as a group. And you know what I mean? Leicester just just did a great job. And Martin O'Neill for me put him on the map a little bit and uh, just showed how good a manager he really was. Because you say there about Pontus Kamark and and that he, he followed him around, and that was probably the first time that. Man marking was probably done on a big stage properly, um, and it just showed that he can think outside the box a little bit and make sure that he can do the mm-hmm. tactics just just the best of his ability to make sure his football club wins. Yeah, hundred percent. And Martin, Martin went for the shrimp because again, um, he, he he brought in the right players at the right time. Yeah. If they were a little bit older, Ian Marshall's players like that, just characters that really gave us what we what, what we wanted and. And again, we didn't. We, we wasn't full of any names, huge names, prima donnas or anything like. That. We were workmen, like, but we knew what we we were capable of doing, and um, we ended up, you know, we ended up going to three cup finals, which is not bad. Mm. So, how important were um, the Marshies of this world and the TC and and the Stevie Clouds? How important were the with the you for your development? Huge, um, especially for the way that I played as well, because they were the ones who were going to go and get the goals, and I was the one that was going to just cause havoc. You know, I throw myself about chase back then when when I was able to chase, uh, to, to run into the channels, run, run channels and get on the ball, turn, run, just cause all sorts of problems. Um, I hit the post in that that cup final, didn't I? Um, yeah, you left did, foot, yeah. Yeah. just hit the post in that one. So, but yeah, that, they they created a lot for me and helped me. And TC was really good in the sense that he would sit down and talk to me as well. Um, didn't listen for the time, but he was he was good. He was very good that in in that sense because again, he'd been around and he was like thirty five at the time, and um, uh, he just left left me to do what I wanted to do, and he understood what I wanted to do, like Michael did, yeah. and just get on the end of things and just make sure you, make sure you hit the target, and that was that was what he. I don't think I don't think it happens often enough that that, that all the players, you know, I mean. You, you, you know what I mean? You said that about laughing and joking about not, not, not listening now, but I don't think I don't think younger players have the mentality to go up to an older player and ask for advice and learn from them a little bit. Sometimes that younger players now they think that they've got all the tools no. and they've got all the experience early doors instead of looking at an older player and thinking, right, he's beaten the very top, he's got all the attributes which which make you successful. How can I emulate and copy and just get the half the career that he's had? Because if you do that, you're going to be successful. And I think sometimes. Having, having all the talent in the world is just not enough, you know. That you said there about 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 the work and the eth- and the the work ethic and the, and and just and just getting everything on the table and, and and leaving everything on the pitch. You know what I mean? Because you know, what I mean, for me, just just talent's not enough anymore. And you know, what I mean, you see loads of players going out the game, and you know, what I mean, they just they don't put the, the the legwork in or they don't have the attitude, and you know, what I mean, they live a lifestyle instead of the opposite way around, where the lifestyle comes with the football. Fortunately or unfortunately, it's just. It sometimes just doesn't get in the way. It's not a hobby. It's it's a it's a it's a job, and it's a really mm-hmm. important job for some people. Yeah. Um, Emil, I call I, I refer to Andy as the goal collector, um, but I uh, I you I think I'm going to refer to you as the league cup collector. That um, <laughs> that that tournament was very kind to you. Uh, obviously, you worked very hard for it, and you got I think correct me if I'm wrong, but you won it four times and came runner up once or twice. Twice. Um, so, do you? How do you view that as a, as a, as a tournament, as a competition? Because obviously, whenever there's talk of reducing the schedule, that's the competition which kind of is talked about maybe dropping for Premier League sides. Um, 
I'd be gutted if they do drop for Premier League side because again, uh, me me being a, a, a lower club, um, I went to three three cup finals for Leicester, and uh, what was it? Two with Liverpool two, as well. Aren't two two with Liverpool, and one with Villa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it'd be disappointing because again, it gives everyone an opportunity to go out there and and, and win a trophy. At this moment in time, uh, when I was when I was playing, it was um, the bigger clubs didn't really take that uh, that too seriously. So, yeah. uh, you know, the likes of my, uh, my, uh, Middlesbrough, Leicester, the, this is the chance you have. Um, uh, one of the finals was Leicester and and uh, Tranmere, so you've got the opportunity to to really win, get get to the final, and, and uh, uh, you know for your club to be to be going out there at Wembley. But now you know you look at Man City. Now they're really having a go at that 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 um, tournament. They've, they last three, four years. They've they've won it. So to actually cut it now, I'm, I'd be very disappointed if they even they even think about that. But I understand why because again, the the the, the season's getting so condensed. Hmm. I'm not sure where they're going to get all these games in, and and unfortunately, there's ranking, isn't there? There's tiers, yeah. and that one usually stays at the bottom. Yeah, and I think as well, like, we, we've spoken about us, haven't we? You know what I mean? That, that I, I see it from a player's point of view and, and I see how, how, how important a cup run is a, as a player because it's the excitement of going to Wembley. It's the excitement of, of, of the Tuesday night and, and having a full stadium. And, um, and Those days are few and far between sometimes. You know what I mean? So if clubs are not taking it serious and they're putting out under-23 sides and... Um, I just don't like it, you know, because... But do you think it's get, important it, to those young players' development to play first-team football in a competition rather than just the under-23s games. Like, if you get rid of that League Cup, it takes away that opportunity to play first-team football and prepare them for that step up to the first-team football. Potentially, but, but yes. Then, but then, but, but then I, I could look at it the other way, though, and I, and I look at Emile. Like, you've just said all the times that he's been in the final. That hmm. if if um, Liverpool or Leicester or, you know what I mean, and, and, they, and they put the reserves out or they put the under-23s out, yes, he was, he was young and he, he still might have played, but potentially they wouldn't have got to the final. So then it, it would have had an impact on the, the trophies that Emil won and all the success he had and all the memories he's got. So for me, you only get memory by, by winning football matches and winning games and scoring goals. And, and the first memory against Middlesbrough potentially would never have happened if mm-hmm. Leicester didn't put the strong side out because, you know what I mean, it was a, it's, it's tough to win a game, you know what I mean, unless you put yeah. your best side out. But Leicester City took it, took it seriously, Liverpool took it seriously. So, you know what I mean, I, I, it's well, a tough I mean, one. I, I, I get everyone's point though. Hmm. But again, uh, uh, the the under twenty three is playing the Johnson's paint. Is that, I'm, is that I'm yeah? Yeah, I think it's that one, isn't it? I nearly called it the LDV. That's how old. That's how old mm-hmm. my memory goes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the the thing for me is, you play you you play youngsters in the league cup, and then they they come out of that. They they, they might not play again in that league cup again, and that, that's disappointing. To you you're, you're out of the cup again, and you haven't really had a go. So I don't know. It, again. We can't just use that cup as a cup for, for, for kids. No, I totally agree. And the thing is, well, the FA Cup, you know what I mean? To, FA Cup sometimes isn't getting taken seriously as well, the, the, the teams mm-hmm. for the lesser side. So, you know what I mean? For me, I was growing up to watch the FA Cup and used to love the FA Cup Huge. final day and watch Satan Greavesy and, and see all the FA Cup goals and then watch the cup, then watch the game it's the game live. And, you know what I mean? That Keith Houchins going a diving header. I just, it's just, it's memories which. I just love so. I just can't. Uh, I can't see it getting taken away, and I don't want cups taken away. It just won't happen. Won't happen. Um, so moving away then, uh, Emil. So obviously you moved uh, from Leicester City um, to your childhood team to 
um, your team that you supported, you moved to Liverpool. So tell everybody how exciting that move was for yourself personally. Amazing. Um, it was. It's, it kind of happened out of the blue, to be honest with you. When I say when I say out of the blue, I thought it would possibly happen at the end of the season, but it happened in March. Yeah. So um, then I get then I go up to. I'd obviously never moved before, so I hadn't got a clue what was going on, how how you do it and all that. And I'm, I'm one minute I'm in I'm at home in Leicester, and next minute I'm up in a hotel in Liverpool, and I'm getting ready to go and play for them against Sunderland. Um, it's crazy, it happened that quickly. But it's uh, it's great, you know, and wonderful club to play for, and the fans are just amazing. How did um, how did the Leicester fans react to you to you moving? Did they uh, did they understand? Because obviously. When you leave a club, that sometimes you can leave a bit of tears because people think that you don't want to be there anymore, you don't care. But I'm guessing you had a good relationship with the Leicester fans that they fully understood. I think they understood, to be honest with you, because and then when you look at my progression as 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 with yours, I was I was I was uh, linked to moving from the age of 18, uh, and I didn't move till I was 22. Yeah. So every single year, every single um, uh, every single window transfer window I was linked to moving so and I stayed till me too um I'd got to a point where we'd we'd won the league cup final against uh Tramir and I thought oh this is probably the best it's going to get right now so let's have a look at it and the worst thing is that the funny thing is I'd just started a partnership with Stan Collymore we'd beaten Sunderland four five two um and everyone was thinking this is going to be amazing. Uh, Heskey and Stan Collymore playing up front together. Jesus, mm-hmm. it's going to be crazy. I left. I know they weren't too happy in that sense, but they, I think they understood where I was coming from. That the fact that I, I probably needed to take that next step because I was I was in the it was in the national team by then yeah. as well. Yeah, and then and then you've got the transfer fee as well, I suppose. Which 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 when you're a when you're a young boy coming through, it's 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 free money for the football club as well because they haven't they haven't lost yeah. anything and and I think supporters, you know, because yeah. Not many, not many fans. Well, I don't think I've ever come across a, a football supporter who says anything bad about you. So, especially not a Leicester fan, when you see people about traitor this, traitor that from football clubs mm. who people, you know, I mean, it's out of order. But what, what some players, some players do get stick. But you know what I mean? It's always been a, always been a quite a, a, a nice reception every time I've seen games mm. when you've gone back to uh, to Leicester as as, a, as an opposing player. Did you ever score against Leicester when you um, when you went back? Yeah. Did you celebrate? Not, not, not at the street. Uh, at um, at Anfield, I did. Did you celebrate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had this. We had, yeah, this convers- we had this conversation, didn't we, side that? Um, yeah. Yes, listen, we did. you know what I mean. That um, I've got no issue in it. I, I think it's an absolute. It's a natural thing to do. A team plays your wages. You uh, imagine. Imagine scoring a goal and and and, and looking to your new new teammates or new supporters that you don't care. So you just walk back and just, mm-hmm. and just stand there and you know what I mean. Because I've always been a big advocate of. You just never know in your career that that could be your last ever goal, and if that's your last ever goal, and you don't celebrate it. Then you know, so it was a daft to say. I just no, don't I, get it. I, I I did, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I just I did. <laughs> yeah. Emil, did you um, did you ever play in Ninian Park? Mm, no. Well, what you'd have known about it if you had to tell you. It was, yeah, uh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was hostile. Yeah. Hostile place. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. <laughs> yeah, it was. Special. Um, with the Liverpool move, Emil, because it happened so mm-hmm. quick and because of the amount of money uh, involved in the move for such a young player, did you feel like a lot of pressure uh, from, from not so much on yourself? Because I'd imagine, you know, you're a professional athlete, you put pressure on yourself anyway. 
but from the media you know obviously you're in a bigger club you're in Merseyside and and did you feel that pressure from the outside um or? you know what I, I I didn't I did yes you do feel the pressure yes there was plenty of pressure I didn't really no pressure on myself because all I wanted to do was go out and play um and I didn't really feel the pressure until probably uh it wasn't straight away put it this way yeah. It was after that, oh yeah, eleven million, eleven million, everything's yeah. eleven million, everything's eleven million. Jesus, you got nothing else to talk about. Yeah. 11 million for scoring 11 million. <laughs> like wow. Um but after that I, I was fine with it. I just I come I come to accept it and that you when you're at the top, you you're there to be shot at. Um and one of the things that, that, that hit home with me was Thierry Henry was doing very well at the time as well. Um uh, when sorry when he came to when he came to Arsenal, he was doing very well. And he was getting criticised for, I think it was not scoring against the top four clubs. And I was like, huh? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? And in the end, you're like, they're just making up stuff just to, just to yeah, say yeah. stuff. Just to it's just disrespectful, it's isn't it? It's just, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Emil, I think a question which you, all, you always get asked is um, about that celebration. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So explain that celebration because it's, I think, you know what I mean? You're all about iconic celebrations, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anybody from a, a certain era, or probably, probably even even into even to this day, to see the, the celebration, you always want to know why. So, tell us about it. So, I've, I've got I've got a good friend who's a DJ. Um, his name's DJ Spoony, um, well-known DJ. Yeah. And and basically, he comes to he, he knows all the lads and everything. He's saying that um, he's a big big Liverpool fan. He says, this season, this is what you're going to do. This is your celebration for this season. Blah blah. blah. Okay, cool. And it was that? It was a DJ celebration. Okay, cool. And then you end up going. Then I end up going to having a, a, a great season. We win the travel, and then, um, and then you know, I scored twenty-one goals that season as well. So it becomes iconic. Then you go and then I go and score against the last goal in the five-one against against England as, against yeah. against yeah. Germany. Sorry, yeah. uh, and it moves even more. So yeah. yeah. But I think that but it moves on moves on nicely. I think to uh, to to playing for England. Um, mm-hmm. That, that game, that game alone was iconic, wasn't it? You know what I mean. The, the, the going over to Germany and um, sorry, side. You wanna you you can switch off now if you want this bit. Yeah, no, I'm alright. Yeah. Been, been a Welsh, been a Welsh I'm alright. Um, right. uh, going over to Germany and, and winning five one. Go watch the Euros, you know I mean? mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, golden generation, Emil. You know what I mean. We spoke to Adrian Bevington about uh, his highlights and and your um, era, your group. Um, you know what I mean. Coming through the twenty ones with. Uh, with the young Rio, etc., and Stevie Gerrard, and Michael, and yourself, and David Beckham, you know what I mean? Tell everybody how how exciting that golden generation was. Do you know what? It was it was fun. It was it was fun because obviously I'd come through Rio, Lamps, yourself, uh, Michael, uh, Kieran Dyers, um, you name them. They all came through with us, Cara, um, and it was just an exciting time. And then, obviously, you go into the first team and you got the Bexes. You got, I, I was lucky. I, I actually, when I first got in there, Gaza was still there. Tony wow. Adams, players like that. Yeah. So, um, it was just wonderful times to be around England. And that golden generation, obviously, that was that was a label that was put onto us. But, um, Fairly? Unfairly? To, well, because we were playing at the top, we were young, playing at the top of our games and we were top of uh, at top clubs. But again, you've still got to you've still got to blend quite well, aren't haven't you? You you got you got you coming from Middlesbrough, me coming from Leicester. Mm. In a short in a short space in a short space of time. Like, is it ten days? 
Right, if ten that's days sometimes, or something like that. Yeah, if that's yeah. sometimes, you've got to so, try and get a relationship, yeah. It's it's difficult and then, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember our our age group. I think I'm a little bit older than you, so um my age group, I'll just go from my age group is uh Henri and Elka, Tezegay, William mm -hmm. William Gallas, uh Mikhail Silvestre, um Usman Darbo, uh, Willie Willie Sanyo, <laughs> uh, and then then you add then you add Zidane, Vieira, Petit, um Perez uh, Will Talk, Lizarazu, Bartes, Chiron Blanc, who actually has the, the golden generation? Who actually won yeah. stuff? Yeah, it's totally agree. You know, we, we, in, that, in our age group, we finished third in, uh, in, in the Euros, yeah. and, and uh, France was top. So again, it's, it's who, who really had the golden generation. We obviously got labeled that, and and fairly unfairly, it's something that we stuck with us. We had, we've, we've dealt with um, pressure, so it shouldn't have been any, any, any more pressure than what we're having to deal with. So it's just that we, we, we didn't manage to get that little bit more out of ourselves to, to blend as much as I would love to. But like you said there, though, I think uh, I think it's unfair sometimes that. Um, you, you look at some other clubs and uh, uh, sorry countries who get a little bit more time to prepare because they have winter breaks and things. So they, you know what I mean. So they they, they meet up a little bit a little bit um, longer before major tournaments. And England have never really done that. You know that um, I think people don't understand that, that you finish a game on a Saturday, you'll travel straight away on the Sunday. And some people won't meet up until the Monday or the Tuesday because of Sunday games, Monday games, and it's all a little bit disjointed. You'll play a couple of days later. You won't have had many training sessions together, and it's. It's just it's it's difficult, and if you're and then if you're not in the squad for a couple of times or or, or, or meetups, it's it's so disappointing because you said about your uh, relationship with with Michael Owen that that's not done overnight, that's not done over a couple of days, it's done over a long period of time, and um and and if it wasn't for club football, if it wasn't for international football, regular international football, those kind of relationships and and partnerships would never have come around and. Uh, I'll use a David Beckham and the Gary Neville one. You know what I mean? They did it for club. They then did it for country. You know what I mean? So, and that's just the same thing as you and Michael Owen and and other players because it's 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 a natural progression and and thankfully as a country we achieved quite a uh, a lot a lot and a, and a high amount um, over a probably a short period of time and it was it was just pleasing to be a a player at the time and a, mm -hmm. and, a and, and a fan as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so just to wrap us up then, I'm going to just go reel off some of these questions uh, which have been patiently waiting in the chat for you, uh, Emil. Uh, so where do we start? Um, I marked down the time because there's so many. Uh, okay, so Jay, uh, sorry, Rob asked, uh, what's next for Emil Heskey? Punditry, management, DJ? <laughs> well, I'm doing I'm, I'm I'm doing the punditry, which is 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 good because again I get to speak about games. I get to have my input again um, because again, it's it's something that I've known from since the age of nine. I've been I started at nine being at Leicester, so it's nice to actually still be in and around it. Um, like you and the I, I I've done a bit of um, I've, I'm studying now uh, with you, which is a master's course for um, directors. To, to to allow you to be director, I'm studying that um, with UEFA. Um, while doing the punditry, um, I haven't done any DJing, so can't say that. We <laughs> <laughs> just did someone on, uh, on the podcast, mate. So, so it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. We'll cut that counts. Uh, next question was: Who do you think is going to go up from the championship? Well, it looks like Leeds and West Brom at this moment in time. Uh, out of the um, 
Do you know who I like? I, I quite like Brentford. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe in the playoffs, I don't know. Um, it looks like Leeds and Leeds and West Brom will probably go up automatically. We do uh, we do the championship show on a Friday, um, and we've done it. We've basically this is how we started the podcast. We we did it championship until lockdown, and we we had live guests on. But um, Ben Rama, Ollie Watkins, uh, oh, Brentford are an absolute joy. You know, absolute joy to yeah, watch. Yeah. And part of me really wants Brentford to go up because I want to see those kind of players in the Premier League. But I want to see them in Premier League for Brentford because yeah. my worry for Brentford will be if they get promoted. Oh, they don't get promoted, sorry, that those kind of players are just going to disperse and, and go yeah. here, there and everywhere because they're, they're too good to be in the Championship, in my opinion, and, and they deserve an opportunity in the Premier League. And You know what I mean? So I do hope for them they, just, they go up, but then at the same time, Leeds, West Brom, Fulham, no-one's got the divine right to go up, obviously. Forest, 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 Forest Cardiff Forest, yeah. clinging on with their fingernails to a playoff place I don't think it's going to happen um, and to be honest I wouldn't want to face Brentford in the playoffs I'd rather play Leeds um, favourite stadium you've played at Richie asked uh, Anfield Anfield and, and Filbert Street Filbert Street was actually a horrible stadium I don't know what it, it must have been it felt a horrible stadium for, for, for away fans to come to away players to come to to be honest with you so yeah. Um, I was, it, was, I it, wasn't, it. it wasn't easy. It wasn't. It wasn't an easy yeah. place to go. It was. Uh, it, seemed, it seemed like everything was on nice. top of you. you know, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't. It, it was, wasn't a nice. Was, you know, you come to some stadiums. It seems nice. I don't yeah. think Pilbara Street was nice. <laughs> but even even the changing rooms, you know, that that, that, yeah. that you go to all the big ones and everything's open space, loads of room. It was all tight, you know. And you try and you try and fit twenty players plus staff and and big massive kit boxes and stuff in a small environment. It just doesn't really work, and it's. Uh, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it's it sometimes mental more than more than anything to get yourself ready for the yeah. game. But the, yeah, it was always a as I said, it was my my first memory of reserve team football was amazing, absolutely amazing. Never never <laughs> never forget it, never forget it. Uh, John asked, "What was it like?" I think someone else asked the same question. Uh, what was it like to smash Germany five one in Germany and get on the score sheet? Oh, it was great. Um, if you remember, we lost the last game at the old Wembley, didn't we? Um, yeah. Didy Hamann free kick. Yeah. So. That was disappointing. I think it was, um, was it Keegan? Keegan's last game, wasn't it? Yeah, Keegan's last game. Yeah, he, he, he resigned after that. So um, it was a disappointing one. That and then to go there and be one down after seven minutes or eight minutes wasn't good. But you know, it was his first game, and Trem, with all due respect to him, he was very good. You know, he, he te- te- tactically. It was, it was spot on because he he would have you in a in a place where you knew exactly what he wanted from you and what they were going to do and all that stuff. And then you just uh, we were lucky in a sense that Mike we had Michael on there as well. So I think it was the first goal was Nick Barnby heading the ball back to him the volley yeah, and Stevie it. G Stevie G scoring that 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 volley as well. But I think that was that was key as well because that was just before half time. And as you know, if you go in half time one one you're okay. If you go two one down. I think mentally we had them, and then you come out and score again. They're key moments in games. Yeah. First five, first five minutes, 10, 15 minutes of the game, then just before half time, just after half time, and the end of the end of the game, and they were the key moments that we scored. Uh, Andy's dad again asked. Uh, he said, uh, <laughs> "It's all over it. Yeah, never comes on Emil, by the way. So he must be his favourite." <laughs> he said, uh, "Do you see any of Brian Clough in Martin O'Neill's management style?" Loads. What a question that Absol- is. Absol- absolutely. Old school, loads. my dad. Oh, you've seen yeah. my dad's now your hero, I mean. Just ask him yeah. the best questions ever. I, th- I think, I think the, the funny thing is, you'll see the same 
because obviously they're copying Martin in uh, Neil Lennon and yeah. Uh, yeah. La- and Lambert. Is it, is it it's Paul Lambert, isn't it? Yeah, Paul Lambert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll see the same in them as well because they're copying Martin. So some of the stuff that they're doing, you're like, wow, he's, he's, he's a spitting image of Martin. But yeah, and then Martin's obviously copied uh, uh, Cloughy. But I think that happens, though, because I think uh, a lot of managers, uh, Mark Hughes, Steve Bruce, they use obviously Sir Alex as there. As Brian Robson did it. Um, they use obviously Sir Alex's traits, his tra- like the way the way he trains, the way he gets um, all the coaches to, to to do a lot of things, and, and they take a step back. And and, and if it works, you know, you know I mean, if you can't learn from the best of the best, then you know I mean, you can't and you don't think, deserve to be a manager. These times, I, th- I think I think you've got to pick the best bits from yeah. each manager that you've had. Again, some of the stuff that Martin did won't work necessarily now because you can't do it. <laughs> because yeah, you just can't. You just can't. You can't be screaming at people in their faces and and telling him effiness and, and telling him that. And you've got to you've got to tailor that down. And now and before we'd have a dressing down and we'd we'd know that we have to go out there and perform better because to get the manager back on your side. But now you you give someone a dressing down, you've lost that person for a good couple of months because they don't want to play yeah. for you again. Yeah, totally agree. Totally so agree. Got to take, and then, you, got and to then you've probably got a dis- then you've probably got a discrimination case against you. You're getting uh, <laughs> investigation because listen, there's nothing wrong with somebody having a go at you in the right possible way, and that's a player. You know what I mean? Because what happens in the change room stays in the change room. You know, you, you mentioned Nigel Pearson earlier on. Uh, Nigel was obviously my captain at Middlesbrough. You know, he, he used to scare me when I when I first walked into when I first walked into that football club. He was he was scary, big, strong. He was intimidating. Um, but you know what? When he talked, everyone listened. And when he give a mm-hmm. when he give a telling off, he give it, and you understood. And, you, and, and but you knew it wasn't personal. Uh, but when he give but also when he give you praise, you didn't go, don't get carried away with it as well because you mm-hmm. listen because you, you're only as good as your last game and. And if you don't, if things don't go the way that you want it to go, then you're going to get told off very quickly. So you know what I mean. For me, it probably is good that it comes out of the game a little bit, but it also needs to stay in the game a bit because people need to be told in the right manner what's right and wrong. It's how to do it as well, though. It's how you do it because again, they just won't. uh, They they won't accept half of the time the way the way you say it's how you it's how you deliver it, and because again, it's them can't handle it. Yeah, totally agree. So, um, just to finish off the show before I kind of go into my my spiel and stuff to finish, I wanted to know if uh, either one of you really ever met uh, Jack Charlton, and if you did, what memories you had of him uh, after he sadly passed away this week. Uh, Andy, go uh, you first. I, bit. Oh, I, am uh, I didn't. Either. I didn't. I didn't directly meet him. Um, obviously, being a being a Middlesbrough boy, he he managed Middlesbrough, so I've got. Good memories, obviously, from my from my dad and um, and things that obviously, and I hear all the good things he's done and and I think that made me become a um, an Ireland fan when they went to the World Cup in Italia '90 because because of uh, links with Bernie Slaven because Bernie went there as a player as well and Bernie was my idol and my hero and Big Jack was a manager and I, and I and I followed him ever since and um, obviously really really sad news you know that he obviously lost his life and. Uh, and things, but I think sometimes we we forget how good he was and how talented he was. You know what I mean? As a player, which obviously never really got the opportunity to watch him because of eras and and, and age and things. But as a manager, um, to go at that World Cup in in Italy, Italian ninety against some world class mm. players and teams, by the way, he he achieved something which um, he should be very proud of himself and the players that he took there also should be proud because they massively um, probably overachieved, but he got the best out of them and and he needs to take huge credit for that. 
Yeah. For myself, I never, I never got to meet him to be honest. But again, like I think what uh, Andy is saying there, we tend to we tend to forget about a lot of our our uh, ex ex England internationals and everything about yeah. some of the wonderful things that they've done and how they played and how they uh, expressed themselves on the pitch and everything and how good they actually were. Uh, and we we forget we forget very quickly, and we we only really remember when they're actually passing away, which is sad. There's not um, many brothers, is there? Not many brothers who play for the country together. You know what I mean? Jack, no. Big Jack and Bobby. Neville's. You know, they're, 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 they're unbelievable talents to play. You know what I mean? Phil and Gary Neville done it. You know what I mean? I don't know mm -hmm. how many others have done it. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's an unbelievable achievement. So, you know what I mean? He's uh, God rest his soul. You know, he's he's going to be a huge loss. And um, I think Leeds did a Leeds did a nice tribute on um, uh, on Sunday. Um, by wearing t-shirts and then getting three points for him in the last minute against uh, mm. against the Swans, so it was uh, that was pleasing for various reasons. But uh, yeah, it's nice to it's nice sometimes that the fans, you know, what I mean, and Leeds have had a really really bad year. We're losing some some of their big old players' names as well. You know what I mean? I know uh, Hunter obviously died earlier on in the year as well. So you know what I mean? We're losing a losing a lot of people at the minute um, within football and, and and just in general, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Emil, thank you ever so much for joining us, mate. I really appreciate your been time. Been amazing, mate. Really it's appreciate it. Been, it's been really an amazing really show. Absolutely loved it. Loved could, it. Have sat, could have sat here and spoken to you for another four or five hours. It was so <laughs> so interesting, and um, really, it was really fun as well. Um, guys, thank, thank you, you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you to everyone who's uh, commented, asked questions, shared the show, etc. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash/podcastnation. Uh, a special thank you to Black Diamond Sports as ever, and Martin, and of course. Bespoke Financial for the sponsorship and supporting the show. Andy, as usual, my man, thank you. Pleasure. And um, we will see you Friday live, yeah. 7 o'clock for the championship show. And uh, check out Ace Podcast Nation this week because there's about a million shows coming out with loads of top guests on all different sports mm -hmm. and shows. But uh, in the meantime, Emil Husky, thank you very much, sir. And Take, Thanks, guys. Guys. Take care. And uh, we'll see you next week. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Podcast Network.